Praise God. Awesome. You can be seated. We, uh, what a joy. I've been in church since 845 this morning, and I have enjoyed every, every minute of it. And uh, I just want to say right off the bat, Pastor Brett and Cynthia, thank you so much. Uh, thank you not only for having me, but for your friendship. And uh, just the encouragement Pastor Brett has been in my life. I'll never forget the message he talked at our church years ago about crossing the river, uh, crossing the Galilee with Jesus. And it just is so stuck in me. And so thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come. And thank you, the whole team. There's more ushers and greeters and servants and people helping out. How many know when you have a healthy church, people volunteer freely and give their time to the Lord? That's you guys. You guys. Thank you. I do want to say, uh, Pastor Robert is just one cool dude. Isn't that right? I mean, I, I looked up there, Pastor Robert, and I'll be honest, at 845, I started evaluating him because my wife told me, I'm 47, she goes, you're not cool. She told me that. She loves me. She goes, you need to dress cool. And I thought, how could I dress like Pastor Robert? I'm just thinking, is there any way? And uh, he is just a very wonderful gift. And the whole team here, Pastor Jim Critcher. Come on, let's give it up for all the pastoral team here. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I had the privilege on January 29th, on a Friday night uh, this past January, what, five, six months ago, coming up here to be a part of the culminating celebration of the opening of this building. I am so grateful. I had the opportunity two, three years ago to preach. And God has given you guys a gift, uh, not only in the leadership team here, but in a facility to do God's will in this area. One last time, how many are grateful for this new building, for the facility? And I want to say thank you as a pastor for your giving. I'm going to say that. Listen, thank you. Here's what I know. At Church of the King, every time we've added a seat, God's added a soul. And it's because of the generous giving of wonderful people like you that you now have a greater space uh, to be able to reach this wonderful community. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. Uh, the book of Exodus chapter 14. Today, I want to share with you a message entitled, How to Face Uncertainty. How do we deal with uncertainty in our life, whether in a relationship we're in, a family scenario, a job situation? I don't think I have to mention, we live in a culture that is very uncertain. Every day we wake up in the news. Those of you that saw the news this morning, the tragedy that took place in Orlando. We live in a culture. People are uncertain. Things are happening just at like great speed. And the question is, does God provide a way? And we know the answer. God has provided a way through His Scripture to not only equip us to love and honor Him, but to, listen, thrive in this life in which He's placed us. Speaking of uncertainty, I do, as Pastor mentioned, I do have my son here. I have four children. I have a 19-year-old daughter, Isabel. And I have two sons, Conrad, who's just turned 17, a 15-year-old boy, and a 6-year-old uh, daughter. Uh, my oldest daughter, Isabel, who's in Israel right now, she spent a month in Nepal, then time in Turkey, and now she's in Israel. She's gone seven weeks this summer. My, listen, I'm going to say this. If my daughter was my only child, I would do parenting seminars. I really mean that. She's perfect. I didn't see her for four years. She read her Bible, she journaled, she prayed, and she did her homework. I mean that. I have two teenage boys. 
who I love dearly, but I go to sleep sometimes, and I'll be honest, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I mean, I just, I'm serious, like, honey, where did they go? What happened? I mean, I'm serious, and they're good kids, and uh, yeah, and so it's a faith statement. I just, you're a great kid. No, really, you're an amazing kid, you know what I'm saying? And then we have our precious little Joy, Annalise. We adopted her from China, and she really is the joy uh, of our family. I send that to say that in the summertime when I travel and preach, I do like try to, I try to bring my kids to different places, particularly my boys the last couple of years. And so three years ago, uh, I brought one of my sons on a vacation with another pastor friend and him, his son. So my son is 15 now. This one, he was 12 at the time, went to Tennessee. And uh, the boys were all excited. We were going to spend a week in Tennessee. And so we get off the plane in the airport and we see, you know, where you have all the brochures. Uh, and we saw uh, w- uh, wet, uh, wild, willies, whitewater rafting. You know, the boys said, Dad, we got to go do this. And they told us, that we got to go do this whitewater rafting. You know, of course, I'm a little conservative. I thought, you know, I'm not sure. No, no, we got to do this. That's all right. You said, Dad, whatever we want to do on this trip, we can do it. Watch what you say, Dad. You know what I'm saying? So sure enough, they wake up in the morning. They're all ready. We take an hour drive down to Gatlinburg. and We get there. We pay the money. And immediately after the pay, I'm thinking we're going to get in the water right there. They put you on a bus. They put you on this old bus. Literally, you're driving up the side of the mountain. I mean, there's, ver- there's no curbs. You know what I mean? I mean, you're just like just looking down, and it's like just there's the end of your life if this guy just even drops his cell phone. We're on the bus, and these guys are just kind of, there's a bunch of dads and parents and stuff, and a lot of dads. And dads, you know, you get together, you know, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what you do? So people ask me, you know, what I do, you know, my, you know and I'll be honest, I don't like to tell people I'm a pastor, you know, because they change, they behave differently, so I want to connect with them. So what are you doing? I, and this guy really was on me. I said, well, you know, I'm a public speaker. You know, I just, I'm telling, because the moment you tell him, you know, so this guy's dropping bombs everywhere. He's cussing, he's saying stuff, you know, and so it just, and finally, finally, he said, no, I want to know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh, Father, I am so sorry. I, you know, I just, <laughs> he just said, I am so sorry, you know, so finally we get there, you know, about 25 minutes, we're way on the top of this mountain, the backside of this mountain, and we get out, and we meet this 22-year-old guy, 22-year-old guy, literally, he looked like he emerged from the river, he's like, hello, how are y'all doing, good to see everybody, there's really no rules except one, you're going to go on some threes, you're going to go on some fours, you're going to go on some fives. You're going to know when you go on a five because you're going to, did you eat breakfast? You're going to lose it. And so uh, the only, only rule we've got is when we go on a five, put a hand over your paddle so you don't kill your son. That's it. I'm thinking now, I'm thinking you're going to get a little warm up, right? We're going to do a little curve, a little thing, you know, maybe, you know, maybe 30 minutes into it. I'm not joking, 200 yards into it, we hit one of those fives. And I'm little, I'm, I'm serious, I'm not joking. I, we're turning, we, I'm thinking we're going, and I'm grabbing my son. We're just all over the place, we're screaming. Now listen, and the guy, you know, the, the bomb dropper, he said in the middle of it, he's looking, he goes, pray for us, pastor. <laughs> listen, I was so in the flesh, I said, I'm not at work. I told him, <laughs> he said, leave me. I'm fighting for my life, man. Kidding me, I ain't praying for nobody. Pray for myself. That's real Christian. Love your neighbor, nothing. I pray for myself. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Finally, listen, we're almost finished. I mean it. We're almost finished. 
And we're about, I don't know, maybe a half mile, you know. He said, we're right around. And so this East Tennessee, we come around this, this, and there's this mountain. And I'm not joking. Like this dark, ominous cloud comes over, and it's lightning, and it's like, I'm like, ah, we're so close. This lightning, you know, and, so, and it's like real close hit lightning. And so I told the little guy that looked like he lived in a, in a river, and he's our guy. I said, sir, I said, are you concerned a little bit about that lightning? I'm serious, man. And this is what the guy told Don't worry about it, sir. This is a rubber boat, man. That did not encourage me in the Lord. I promise you, we got to the end. I'm not lying. I got on my knees. I was like kissing the ground. Thank you, Jesus. So, and then it was over. I told my boys, don't you ever suggest something again. You'll see Jesus, I'm telling you. <laughs> Serious. It was two hours and it was done. <laughs> the fact is I got off of that ride. But some of y'all have been on a ride like that for a long time. And it's not as funny. And you can't get off. And you're wondering, what's happening around the next turn? What situation in my family? What situation at work? What situation in culture? What situation in my health? So I'm going to have to go to the doctors. I'm going to get another report. Well, the question is this. Here's the question. Is there, is there solutions in God's word to help us navigate through uncertain times? And I want to say resoundingly, yes. If you have your Bible, Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, I want to talk to you today about how to face uncertainty. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you're in the face of pressure? Everybody say the word pressure. pressure. With uncertainty comes pressure. There's often three responses we have when we experience pressure. One is we can get lost in doubt and confusion. You just kind of get mired this foggy phase over your brain. Number two, we can try to ignore it and go, I'm just going to put my head in the sand. And when I come up, I'm just hoping it's better. But it often isn't. I want to talk to the leadership personality people, strong personality. Sometimes you go through this, what leadership type personalities is you get aggressive and, and you get real strong and you just try to personality your way through something. But what I found is the people around you, you can damage greatly in times of insecurity and uncertainty because you're trying to, listen, push through it. But you often push people away that you're trying to draw close to you. What do you do when you're facing uncertain times? Pastor Brett mentioned that I am from Mandeville, Louisiana, which is a suburb of New Orleans. Uh, and one of the things, our claim to fame is not only good food. I, we went to a wonderful restaurant last night, fantastic. I walked out and said, that was amazing. Almost as good as New Orleans food, I told him that. We planted the church in 1999, five, six years later, 2005. We had on August 23rd, a regular weekend service, our, 23rd, 24th, Saturday night. We were so excited. We were fired up. and We had 3,245 people in church. I was so excited. We were just fired up. And I grew up in South Louisiana, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much aware. It's been part of our life where, as a kid, when you had a hurricane, and it was in the Gulf of Mexico, you had what's called a hurricane, similar to what maybe snow days for you guys, and the kids are all fired up. You don't go to school, you know, and so we had a hurricane. Check in hotel rooms, you know, in Jackson, Mississippi, or Birmingham, or wherever, and you take off, and you come back, and then it's it. Little did I know this was going to be different. The fact is, the hurricane came in, and 
we lost power. We were in Jackson, Mississippi the first night, and then in Lafayette, and then I was able to come back and stay in a house for two weeks with no electricity and go back and forth. The fact is, I started getting texts from church members. Pastor, I'm in Charlotte. This is now on Tuesday and Wednesday. We heard how bad it is. This is texting just started. And we're not, we're not, we're not going to come back. We've got to enroll the kids in school. Pastor, I'm in Houston, and, and this is real bad. And we understand the levees are broke. The city's filled up with water. And they're saying it could be months and months. We're enrolling our kids in school. Now, as a pastor, when you've talked about the dream of God, and we're in this together, and how many of y'all believe God has put us together, and you're hearing people uh, just, and you, you, don't, you don't fault them, but it's painful. Then the thoughts come, well, how are we going to pay for everything? And what are we going to do? And is there going to be a church that comes back? And you talk about uncertainty. I want to say this. I've never said this before this morning. I was putting this message together. Very first, one of the very first texts I got, the very first text I got from any pastor was from Pastor Brett Fuller. And here was the text I got. Where do we send the money? I want to commend you guys and thank you the first month, you guys at Grace Covenant Church gave us a struggling church who just went through a hurricane, $43,000 that month. Thank you. Thank you. That's what you guys, thank you, Pastor and Cynthia. I don't know if you remember that or not, Pastor Brett, but I remembered it. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the Egyptians let go and they released after 10 plagues and I don't have time to go into it but they finally Pharaoh reluctantly let the people of God go the Israelites the Hebrew people he let them go and and as they were leaving Egypt and all there was the dancing and the shouting and the joy and the celebration the the children of Israel come to the Red Sea and they they see this this seemingly insurmountable obstacle and what are they going to do and that would have been bad enough but but then somebody tapped somebody on the shoulder and said turn around you're not going to believe what's behind us and they turned around and the very listen the very army and the very Pharaoh they just got delivered from and now is in hot pursuit and the Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 verse 9 it says so then the Egyptians pursued them all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea. Now they're right on them, and the, the children of Israel go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we just get the get out of jail card free? And now here it is, we're back in the situation of uncertainty. How did this happen? How, how do we get into the situation? Where did he come from? And God, I thought, and we celebrated, and we were, it, it, was, it, was, it was celebration, and we had symbols, and it was excitement, and now what? we can't go forward. You ever been there before? I, I know we can't now go backwards. We can't go east or west. It's vast desert. What are we going to do? And maybe that's where you are. And I know God told me to start that business, but my gosh, my, my upkeep is, is greater than my inflow. And, and, and there's so much outflow. And, and, and I know this was a dream for God, but what do I do? I, I know, God, that, that, that you put she and I together. I know that you put us together, but I didn't realize the transitions and the adjustments and, 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 and God, there's, and they're saying crazy things and I, I, wanna, I wanna do whatever I can by your grace. We need to navigate, but it, but it doesn't look good right now. I went to the doctor and I thought it was a routine physical checkup and yet they told me I gotta go see another doctor. And every time they tell you, you got to go see somebody else, my gosh, my heart dropped. And I text my spouse and I said, wait a minute, this just doesn't look good. And you're in an uncertain situation. 
What do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in uncertainty in a pressure situation? By the way, let me just say this. Sometimes we find ourselves in those situations. Let me give you three things. Sometimes it's because of unwise decisions we made. Number two, sometimes it's because of, listen, other people's unwise decisions, but your boat is hooked up to their boat. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, though, you are right smack dab in the will of God, and God led you into that place to develop His character on the inside of you. That's what happened with the children of Israel. They weren't in sin. They weren't in rebellion. Who said serving? Listen, who said serving Jesus, life would be easy? You've got the power and the resources to navigate through anything that comes against you. But let me tell you something. Listen, can you imagine the Apostle Paul, a shipwreck, a night and a day in the deep thinking, am I in the will of God or not? You better hold on tight. The fact of the matter is, is that when you're in the will of God, I had people tell me this before. You know what? If I was in the will of God, all these things wouldn't be happening. I've had people actually tell me this. You know what? Before I was a Christian, it seems like everything was going good. But now I got saved. And I say, well, first of all, that's not true. You got amnesia. Your life was terrible. But second of all, <laughs> but second of all, if you really do believe that, it's because you switched jerseys and you're now on the opposing team. How many know what I'm talking about? You're now going against traffic. You're in opposition because you're walking with God. As I looked at this, as I studied this, Pastor Bet, I saw that I believe that God is actually giving us a template. How do we respond in uncertainty? What do we do when we don't know what to do? Exodus 14, verse 13. Here's what God, watch this, tells Moses to tell the people. And if you're writing this down, I'm going to give you four things. This, I believe, is a biblical template of how to respond in uncertain times. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, number one. Do not be afraid. Number two, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall, number three, say it, hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry aloud? Tell the children of Israel, number four, say it to go forward. Everybody say, fear not. Stand still, hold your peace, and go forward. The children of Israel were right where God wanted them to be. They were in the perfect will of God. And yet there was opposition in front of them, and there was opposition behind them. And let me tell you something. And the enemy was there mocking them, lying to them. Yeah, where's your God now? What happened? I thought God led you into this, and I thought this was God. I thought God delivered you, and now you're in this situation. Isn't it amazing when you get in a pressured situation how the enemy is a master at whispering and trying to indict the character of God to us? That's what he does. And yet we see the biblical admonition. Listen, listen. The most often encouraged statement in the Bible for us is not be more loving, although we ought to be more loving. It's not be more kind, although we ought to be more kind. It's not be more gracious, although we ought to be. It's actually be not afraid. Fear not. Be not afraid and fear not. You know how many times that's in the Bible? This is amazing. 366 times in the Bible, God said, fear not, be not afraid. Fear not, be not afraid. Why is that important? Because God knows every day that we wake up related to the circumstances of life and the enemy whispering that there's going to be an opportunity to fear. And he says, fear not. What I so love about God is God gave us 366 because he remembered leap year, the devil still lies to us. Come on, how many of y'all are grateful that God doesn't forget anything? Everybody say, fear not. fear not. All right, now listen, this is very important. Fear is both a mindset, but it's also a demonic spirit. 
Here's the deal. This is so important. Please listen. You cannot employ natural means to defeat spiritual enemies. If you just think it's a mindset, yes, what is fear? A negative, fearful mindset. It's somebody that has an active mind that evaluates scenario planning where they deduce the negative outcomes of this decision and then they work it back against themselves and it's a fearful mindset. But let me tell you something. Fear is more than just a mindset. It's a demonic, it's a demonic spirit. The devil himself, the greatest weapon, I believe, the Bible actually says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of the fear that's coming upon the land. I believe the greatest assault of the enemy is to strike someone with fear, a literal spirit of fear. Pastor, is this in the Bible? I mean, I thought it was just a negative mindset. I mean, I believe in negative thinking, positive thinking. Is this just, no, no, no. I'm talking about fear being a spirit. When it hits you, it affects you. Watch this. Spiritually, emotionally, physiologically, you can feel it. Your glandular muscle, you go, and you can almost lose your breath. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, watch this. This is in the Bible, talking about fear. It says, God has not given us a what? Say it, a that's not an attitude. That's a spirit. A spirit of fear. God did not give you that fear. That's not the cross that God's called you to bear. Fear. Well, this is my cross. No, God wants that off of you. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say, fear not. I got to tell you, I got saved at 19 years old. I was a freshman at Tulane University. Some of y'all heard my story before. My mom prayed for me. From 12 until 19, she would tell me just about every day, I pray God saves you or kills you. I was open to that after she would say that. My parents made me go to church. They wouldn't give me lunch money. How many of that will motivate a teenage boy? Seriously. (laughs) Finally, I gave my heart to Christ. By the way, I tell people, if you have a mom that's spirit-filled that prays for you, give up because you'll never enjoy your sin. Come on, moms. (laughs) I mean, you just, just give up. I'd be sinning. It'd be like God's face and my mom's. I was more scared of my mom, just to be honest. (laughs) Finally, I give my heart to Christ, and I say this respectfully. I never really remembered struggling with fear prior to coming to Christ. Now listen, this is very important. After I gave my heart to Jesus, about a month afterwards, a a literal spirit, a demonic spirit of fear would attack me at nighttime. Now I'm not talking about a negative mindset. I'm talking about a demon spirit where I would be, I would almost lose my breath. I had to sleep with the lights on for one year. I had to go to sleep with a cassette player. Come on, 1987. (laughs) Talk to me. Talk to me, 1987. Come on, come on, come on. uh, Some of y'all going, young people, what's he talking about? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, I had literally had to go to sleep with a cassette player in my bed with worship music. I was so scared. And yet, I'm going to show you that I believe that God doesn't just leave us there, but He teaches us and equips us how to get that fear off of our lives. Everybody say, fear not. All right, now watch this. I'm just bringing you through this this context, this scripture. The second thing that we see here, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Number two, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you this day. From the day that you and I are born... We are trained to evaluate life based upon what we can see, feel, taste, hear, and touch. We are trained, we are schooled in our sensual knowledge, in our sensual understanding. So in other words, we perceive something, if we feel it, we can often perceive it to be true. We think, well, I felt it. Here's what I found out. Y'all ready for this? I am not what I feel. I'm what God says about me. 
the day you think that you are what you feel, how many know that's where our culture is right now? The fact of the matter is that God has instructed us from his word, listen, that we are not what we feel, we are not what we see, we're not what we hear, we're not what we taste, and we're not what we touch. We're what we believe God calls us to be. And here's what he says. He goes, everybody say, fear not. And then he says, stand still. I got to tell you, this is the most fascinating thing. This week when I was putting this together and re-looking at these notes, and, and I began to realize something about the classic chapter on spiritual warfare. I, I, I know Pastor Brett and all the team here, they're Bible teachers and Bible, and I know they've taught on spiritual warfare, and I know you've taught, Pastor, in Ephesians chapter 6. How many are grateful, by the way, how many are grateful that you're in a church where the pastor teaches you the Bible that you understand? And I mean that, Pastor. I mean that. Phenomenal. I saw something this week, the classic spiritual warfare texts. Four times in two verses, the same word appears, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Since you stand, stand. (laughs) No, you really better stand. Now listen, let me just say something. You know, I have four kids, and I'm still raising kids, and I'm still in the process. But, you know, when raising kids, you know, you're driving. We had a van for years. You know, you turn around, you got four kids. And I had three for a long time, and then 10-year gap, and then I had one other one. You know, you turn around. The first comment from a dad, you know, is kind of a suggestion. You know, hey, y'all, y'all, y'all sit down. Seriously, y'all sit down. <laughs> Excuse me, I'd be on this side. I'm not in England. I'd be turning this way. <laughs> no, hey, 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 hey. Leave your hands yourself. Quit cutting up. Sit down. I mean that. Kind of goes to the command level. All right? Third time I say it, I'm thinking to whoop somebody's behind if you you don't sit down. Now, I know Virginia is the south, but y'all really in the north. In South Louisiana, we still whoop people. Come on. I'm just uh, I'm just being honest. I, I, I know, you know, oh, just negotiate with him. No, it's like, I'm going to whip your butt. You don't sit down. I'm just telling you. If you say something a fourth time, listen, you literally beam you up, Scotty. They may see Jesus. I'm just saying. Now, here's what I'm saying. Why did God tell them four times? Everybody say, stand. Stand. Say it again, stand. Stand. Say it again, stand. Stand. One more time. Stand. Fear not, stand still. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Here's what's so powerful. We believe in the inspiration of scriptures where God's inspiring, watch this, moving Paul. The Holy Spirit's moving a man of God and he's writing as the Spirit's giving it to him. But God also uses Paul, watch this, Paul's understanding of culture, the cultural things, and God uses Paul to pick up when he's talking about spiritual armory, he uses natural Roman armory. Now watch this. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, by the way, what is an evil day? Let me tell you what I believe an evil day is. It's a coordinated satanic strike from the enemy against our lives. It's, it's coordinated. You ever like, how'd that happen? It's called the devil. Now remember this, we don't employ natural means to defeat spiritual enemies. Just remember that. I don't care how high our intellect is. I don't care how your EQ, your IQ. You've got to have spiritual weaponry to deal with spiritual entities. And that's why he says, when the evil day comes, so that you may be able to what? Say it with me. Stand your ground. But then he goes on and says, and after you've done everything, everything to stand, stand. Okay, let me just show you something. And I'm going to finish here in just a moment. 
when I was studying this, don't worry, I changed my socks earlier. I did. When I was studying this about the Roman, ar- the Roman armor, the helmet of salvation, all right, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. What's so interesting, Pastor Brett, is what, what and, and I believe God anointed and inspired Saul, uh, Paul to take this for a reason. On the bottom of a, watch this, on the bottom of a Roman soldier's shoe or boot, there was a one-inch spike. Look this up. This is powerful. And what they would do was, remember, this is hand-to-hand combat. They don't have, they don't have grenade launchers. They don't have it. And so what they would do is, remember, right when the, 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 the opposing army would come towards them to fortify them, what they would do is, is they would take their foot with that spike and they'd go, and what it would do is, you put a spike on your boot. For, you don't have anything and somebody pushes like that. You put a spike and lean forward. How many know that makes you a lot stronger? It fortifies your posture. It fortifies your position. And I got it. What God says is the standing posture is standing in something and on someone. God's word. That when the enemy comes, we don't respond in our flesh, but we, I need God on this one big time. Are you with me? Medical report. No, I need God big time on this one. Teenage, no, I really need God on that one. I need, and so here's what happened. Back to the spirit of fear. Back to the spirit of fear. So my friend, who's my pastor, one of our pastors on staff, Doug Arman, that discipled me, here's what he said. Steve, when that spirit of fear attacks you at nighttime, here's what you need to do. I want you to get a white three-by-five card. Y'all remember the three-by-five card? They're still out there, okay? A little index card. (laughs) Okay, I know because it's computers. Kids, what's cards? What's pens? cards packets next to cassettes you know (laughs) y'all with me people you know it's a new thing we're people humans anyway so so i'm serious man like robots everybody you know what i'm saying (laughs) okay look y'all y'all let me finish anyway so so watch this so you got these three by five he goes get those three by five cards and write down opposing scriptures that would come against that thing. So I wrote down, second Timothy, God's not given me a spirit of fear. But I wrote down Romans 8.30, you are more than a conqueror to him who loves. Okay, I wrote down 1 Corinthians, here it is. He, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with God. Ephesians, listen, I'm telling you, 2 Corinthians 5, he who is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. So I would roll, I rolled out of bed at nighttime. He says, if it's two o'clock in the morning, roll out of bed, get your cards out. And what you're doing, you're standing. And you start speaking, no, 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 I'm not. Now I felt fear, but I didn't yield to the feelings because I'm not what I feel. Does that make sense? And neither are you. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I did the whole Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, on a, next card, in the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my, are y'all, what am I doing? I'm standing. It's not my personality. It's not my wit. It's not my charisma. It's my faith and my standing on Him and in His Word. And pastor, I learned something during that time. I remember my, my dad came in one time at two o'clock in the morning. He goes, Steve, what are you doing? I said, I'm fighting the devil. He thought, are you okay? Are you on drugs? I said, no, I used to be on drugs. Last year, I'm better now. 
<laughs> I mean, when I'm acting like a Christian, you prayed for me. Now I got what you prayed for. Now let me be what I, you prayed for. <laughs> Here's what I found out. You, listen, listen. I learned this. You can't outthink the devil, but you can outspeak him. You can outspeak him. You think when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil could, you know, cast yourself down. You think he went, take that. He didn't throw a thought at him. He said, it is written. Your words, with the word of God coming out of them, that sword of the spirit. Pastor, are you talking to God, reminding God of his word? Are you coming against the devil or reminding yourself? All three. Just all three. Everybody say, stand. Stand. Oh, I got two minutes. Can I get two more minutes? Come on. Can I have two? Okay. Two. All right. All right. Here it is. Hold your peace. Verse 14. The Lord. Everybody say, fear not. not. Stand still. By the way, let me tell you, standing in the Bible is never, never passively resigning yourselves to circumstances. It's always actively believing God that at any moment something's going to change. That's standing. Hold your peace. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your what? Say it. Peace. I don't have time to unpack all of this, but let me just tell you this. This world is anxious, nervous, stirred up. Things, all the, all the, 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 I don't want to get into the gastral problems that are happening. All of that is the lack of peace that people have in their lives. What is peace? It's the supernatural peace and presence of God that emanates out of your spirit. It goes up to your head. It passes all understanding. It comes down. It goes through your stomach. You can feel God's peace. It mobile all the way down to your feet where you walk in it. It's peace. It's peace. Peace of God is not the absence of conflict, but it's, listen, calm in the midst of the storm. One of the, two of the greatest testimonies to an unbelieving world that God is alive, number one, is a spirit-filled marriage that walks through and stays together, I'm telling you. And number two is you don't fall apart when your world may because of God's peace. I'll tell you this last story. I've got one more point and I'll close. I, sometimes it's the little things. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Song of Solomon says, it's the little things. We lose our cool at work and somebody does one thing and this and that. I remember recently, or last year, I was, I was coming back from preaching somewhere. I was in California and had a three-hour and 20-minute flight. Man, I was so excited. I was exhausted. I had my new Bose headphones. It keeps everything out. It's like just fresh air. And, and I just said, I just cannot wait. I'm so tired. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to just sleep. I'll put that on, and I'm just going to just, just, it's me and Jesus and just that. See. And so I noticed my ticket was a little bit far back. And so I got on a plane. I thought, my Lord, this plane must be huge. And so I, get, I go all the way. And I kept going, Pastor. And it just, it's like, my gosh. I kept going. And it was, it was the last row right by the toilet. Look. And I got in my seat. And the last row on the plane doesn't go back. So I'm like, I'm by the toilet. My seat doesn't go back. But the only consolation prize, I had one empty seat next to me. I thought, praise Jesus. I could kind of put the arm up, go do like this. And just before they close the door, I say this respectfully, I love all genders, but a woman with a baby walks on. And I saw her.
actually did this. This is wrong. I went under my breath. In the name of Jesus. I did. It's wrong. I'm doing I know it's wrong. I'm serious. I know it's wrong. I try to. I thought maybe she could. I forgot something at the gate or something. You know what I'm saying? TSA's calling or something. Please. She gets right to me. And I'm thinking, oh God. And she looks at me. May God be my witness. And she goes, she got a purse. She goes, can you hold my baby? I'm sitting by the toilet. My seat won't go back. I'm holding a baby. What did I do? <laughs> what reaping principle has kicked into this? You know what I'm saying? Everybody say, hold, hold. your peace. I got to give you the last point. Fear not. Come on, strong. Fear not. Stand still. Hold your peace and go forward. Verse 15 says this. The last thing, it's a template. You need this. We need this. I need this. It's not a one-time thing. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Here it is. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Go forward. Hey, God, in case you forgot, there's a body of water in front of us. Who said God's word is dependent upon what it looks like in front of you? Are you with me? Stepping out in faith is stepping out in faith. By the way, that's what y'all did with this building. You laid the slab by faith. Then you built the rooms by faith. The steel went up by faith. Some of you, and I want to encourage you because there's that job fair, do your resume by faith. You got to do your part. God does his part. God own, Listen, God does what only God can do. But then we've got to do what we can do. And that is, we've got to cooperate. Stretch out your hand. And as you did it, he was made whole. Hurricane Katrina happened. And this pastor encouraged me. He sent money, a little bit of money, a lot of money. But it, it helped me, encouraged me. But I, 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 was just, I was just shattered related to the future. And I'm going to say this very respectfully. A great man of God who's an amazing man of God called me on the phone. Here's what he said. Talk about fear and uncertainty. He said this, Pastor. He says, Steve, you're 37 years old. You're young. Nobody will ever fault you. You need to pick up your life, move to another city, and start over. Listen, listen. By the way, I didn't say this in any of the services. When we finally had church a month later, we had 1,300 people. We lost, we lost two... Th- I don't know what you're clapping about. We lost 2,000 people in 30 days. <laughs> it's like, that dude's a fool. I mean, <laughs> but, listen, but listen, listen, listen. When he told me to go to another city, Cynthia, listen, my heart just sunk. But listen, the next day, Pastor Rice Brooks called me. He said, this is the greatest opportunity you and your church have. Don't, don't even think about it. I didn't even tell him. Somebody said, he goes, this, you're going to plant churches. Or you're going to go in there. From that moment, I didn't think about myself. I didn't think about our church. I just helped people and do relief. 
then God did it. God did it. Everybody say, go forward. Who said it's all got to look perfect? They stepped forward before the thing split. Are you with me? Some of you are in a situation in your life right now and you're waiting for all the circumstances to align. And then you'll see if this is real. No, 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 no. You've got to step in the face, in the face of uncertainty. Everybody say, say, fear not. Fear not. Stand, still. Stand still. Hold your peace. And go forward. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing people. I thank you for what you're doing in their hearts. I thank you for Pastor Brett and Cynthia and the team. It is an honor to be here. We thank you for grace. And I sense your favor and your blessing and your grace on this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.